1: Big changes at sunrise and we have the inside goss on who will be replacing Samantha Armitage. Is Channel 7 about to make a huge casting mistake with one of their biggest primetime shows? And why doesn't Channel 10 rate? We're breaking it down as its future looks uncertain. This is the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start.
0: This is TV Blackbox, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry.
1: And it's a very big welcome to the TV Blackbox podcast. And as usual, I'm joined by a very interesting group of people who not only are TV viewers, they know their stuff and no one else compares, really. Starting off with Sarah Monahan actress extraordinaire one of my favorite sitcoms we were talking about this on the Andrew rob and robbo show last night uh, sarah and i was asked what is my favorite australian sitcom and i said hey dad despite the controversies despite all the crap that went down it was still a bloody good show
0: oh well, thank you i kind of feel bad that nobody can watch it anymore because mm. of what went on but i mean it it was harmless fun back in the day and it wasn't racist like kingswood country or any of the other shows that were basically the only sitcoms on australian tv but yeah i mean it was just mild-mannered normalness
1: yes absolutely and i don't know if i've ever told you i used to go to the tapings every week
0: (laughs) It, it came up once
1: <laughs> then you thought I was a stalker that's right no someone that's else
0: right. on the podcast called you. <laughs> uh,
1: also joining us is tv black boxes Aaron Ryan who knows everything when it comes to a tv guide and all the inside goss about the machinations of television hello
2: Aaron Hello, hello. And now I'm officially old. I switched from 39 to 40 this week, so uh, I'm um, really well, happy old. Birthday. Thank you. Sarah. It's
1: all downhill, mate. That's not true. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of your new life. Uh, also joining us, uh, Rod is away again this week as he works on another production. But joining us is former executive drama writer... Uh, writer for many Australian television shows. It's none other than Dan Bennett. Welcome back to the pod, Dan.
3: Thank you, Rob. So you invite me back for one week and now you can't get rid of me.
1: (laughs) Although, when Rod couldn't make this week, you were my first call because of Might have just been easy.
3: Probably, uh, yeah, there you go. Dan- Dan- <laughs> I'm easy. I've been called easy all my career, so we'll go wrong we'll with that.
1: <laughs> no, you know I love you. I love having you on this podcast. Good so, to be back. Uh, Dan is obviously also doing the TV Binge Box podcast, which came back uh, last week and is actually just a great podcast. I listened to last week and it's really easy listening. It's really enjoyable. Well, thank you. So I appreciate you doing this podcast as well, mate. Pleasure. All right, well, that's enough of the love. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get into the big stories of the week because big changes are coming to Australia's number one breakfast show, with Sam Armitage announcing on Monday that she is leaving Channel 7's Sunrise program. While rumours were circulating over the weekend that she was being let go, I can tell you my sources have confirmed it was 100% Sam's decision But her last day will be Thursday. In her announcement, she noted the tumultuous previous year and the need for rest and time with her family. As I revealed first on the TV Black Box website, trusted sources have told me Nat Barr will replace Armitage. Nat has been with the show for 18 years. Sam will be on a retainer with Seven, so rival networks will not be able to snap her up. Sarah, Sam Armitage, great talent. What do you think about Nat moving into the role?
0: I mean, Nat's been there forever, so I feel like she kind of deserves to finally get, like, the front bench, right? Mm. Um, But, I mean, good for her that she's finally going to get the job that she's probably always actually wanted, and hopefully she enjoys it and it doesn't turn out as crappy as it did for Sam.
1: Is it a risk for Seven? They've passed her over once they put Sam in after Mel, Um, but the viewers will like this, won't they?
0: I think they will. They'll finally have a brunette on TV. Everyone's a blonde. (laughs) Literally every one of them is a blonde, isn't it? So finally they're going to have something, you know, more representative.
1: Aaron, I think this will play well with the Sunrise viewers. Do you think, though, it will be an opportunity for Nine to get ratings on the
2: Today Show up? I don't think think so at all. I think she's part of the Sunrise family. And I think this seems to be the Australian way where hard work, respect and putting in the hard yards absolutely pays off. Um, mm. This is a fantastic and well-deserved promotion for Nat Barr. She's a beautiful, down-to-worth kind of professional person that she's put her heart into the program. And so this is well-deserved. I would like to think that the newsreader choice would be probably more important now because, Obviously, that person fills in um, as the presenter. I'd love to see Natasha Natasha Belling in that role, but um, that's going to be a hard pick for the network next.
1: Well, Dan, this is an interesting point because there have been criticisms that cows are more represented on Sunrise (laughs) than diversity in Australia. Um, So... The obvious choice to me would be Edwina Bartholomew. She usually fills in for news. She's part of the team. It helps with costs. I feel like they've got one too many people at the moment when it comes to entertainment and all that kind of stuff. But it would make sense to go down the diversity route with the news reading role. It's an opportunity, isn't it?
3: That's absolutely an opportunity. I think what they will focus on most is making the transition as comfortable as possible for the audience. As you said, Eddie probably slips most seamlessly into that position because she is the regular fill-in, but she is only just back from her maternity leave and at the moment is only doing a few days a week, so she may not be interested in um, five days a week reading the news. Mm. Um, I think Monique Wright would be fantastic bumping her over from Weekend Sunrise and giving her that lead news role, which being the main fill-in for Nat and maybe I think Tash and Matt on the weekends would be fantastic. I agree that Tash should be somewhere. She's too good to not be working. Um, But, yeah, I tend to think that the person that they bring in will be someone familiar to the Sunrise family, even though it is a great opportunity for diversity.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Sean White, is uh, a reporter on the yes. show, he's known to the audience, he could move into that news yep. reading role. The problem with that is you then end up with more, uh, more yeah, men than bit, women. And, and yeah. these are the considerations you have to make when you're um, looking at, that, at those roles. And this is a hard decision for Michael Pell and Craig McPherson, who are the... Uh, Michael's the EP, obviously. Craig McPherson's the head of news and current affairs. This will be a joint decision with the CEO and the programmers at Seven. But there are a lot of thoughts that go into this role. Putting that into the chair seems the easiest decision. That newsreader, I think, will be much harder. Alright. The Queen of Television still reigns supreme with Oprah Winfrey delivering over 1.3 million viewers to Channel 10 for her exclusive interview with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. The two-hour special was the number one show on Monday night, beating Married at First Sight on 804,000 and Ultimate Tag dropping to a dismal 260,000. Later on, Dan, our big issue is going to focus on why Channel 10 isn't rating and whether it can survive. But look what happened last night. Look what happened this last night. This <laughs> show, the network proved it can get a big viewing audience when it has a big show that people want to watch.
3: Absolutely smart bidding. They paid allegedly 400000 to buy the doco through their CBS um, partnership and worked gangbusters for them. I was concerned there was so much press during the day and suddenly in the 6 p.m., news hours showing virtually all the important bits of the interview. Um, and then A Current Affair ran a 13-minute block um, with just about every <laughs> clip from the interview. Somehow they managed to get around that. So um, I was a bit worried that I don't that know
1: people... that that comes into fair dealing,
3: do you? <laughs> well, no, yeah. Um, so I was a bit worried that it might impact on the audience for the special, but clearly did not. Everyone was, was on board with it. And can I just say, just Oprah Winfrey is... Just one of a kind. There is mm-hmm. no one like her out there interviewing today. She was had no notes in front of her. No, no doubt she'd prepared beforehand, but she had no notes. She just listens and responds to what she's being given, and you s- feel so much more authentic that way. I thought it was a great two hours of television. I wasn't. I'm not particularly interested in Meghan and, Ca- and Harry, to be honest, um, but more as a piece of um, television and as as a Step of sort of exposing the royal family and sort of what the fallout from that would be. That was kind of the interesting angle for me. Um, but yeah, it worked gangbusters for Tanning, it's killed seven. Sarah, we've,
1: everyone has talked about the content of the interview. So let's not focus on that. We all know the revelations and yada, yada, yada. But from a stylistic point of view, it was very minimalistic. You know, there were a couple of bits where there were voiceover setting up a story, but it really was just Oprah talking to them, wasn't it?
0: It was them in a borrowed yard halfway between their two houses and then <laughs> a shot of them picking eggs out of the garden Ooh. with the chickens. But, yeah, I mean, it was it had to be super cheap to film. Um, but, it's uh, Oprah.
1: It was $7 million. There's nothing cheap about this. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I mean, it was it was simple, and I guess they wanted the message to be the words coming out of her mouth, not you know the background or flashy shots or anything mm. of that. Um, I'm just surprised that it rated as well as it did. I guess people are missing the crown, and they just wanted that little extra piece. You know, I
1: was surprised, Aaron. I, I did tip. Yeah, they're saying bombshells. We're not really going to get any bombshells. And then the first clip started coming out and I was going, oh, maybe we will. And we certainly did. I was live blogging this and it, it, it more than lived up to the hype.
2: I was hoping telepathy was going to come through here. I thought, please don't throw to me. I cannot stand the royal family. I can't stand <laughs> anything to do with them. I don't understand why they're on covers of every magazines or why we care when one of them has a kid. I have no. I, I was actually going to watch it just because we we're doing this podcast that I knew it would come up, but I couldn't even get myself to watch it for this podcast. So I have all I'll say about the ratings were they were absolutely fantastic, um, and well done to Channel Ten for that. But Don't get me involved. I hate the royal family. Sorry. My
0: thing was, is they, there was a lot of bombshells, but if you're not like, I've learned this from when I went through, you know, like something happened to me on the set of Hey Dad and everyone's like, if you don't name names. And their Mm. whole thing was they said all that shit and then they didn't name any names. And then they backtracked on so much stuff. It was like, well, no, it wasn't the queen and it wasn't dad and it wasn't grandpa. No, no, no. It was just somebody out there. And it's like, for fuck's sake, if you're going to say shit like that, you need to be like. But is it that getting a little bit, you
1: know, like that? It came across to me that they actually do care about the institution, but they also didn't like the way they'd been treated by the institution and wanted to say, "This is what we went through, and it's not good enough. You need to change." But they didn't. They weren't out to destroy the institution, and a lot of people are saying that's what exactly what they were trying to do. That's not where I believe they were coming from, and. I do, the racism card is such a big card. Why can't they say this happened? But we don't want to go into details. We actually don't want to destroy someone's life. What we're trying to say here is these are the things you put up with when you are a member of this family. Why do they have to name the name?
0: Because otherwise she's just playing the victim card. Like, there was a lot of things that she said. And, like, I, but Sarah, I get When you that-
1: first came out about, hey, dad, you couldn't name Robert Hughes
0: true well but no it's see but that's my whole thing is i'm so conflicted on it because part of me completely believes everything they say because you watch the royal family and you know that bullshit goes on Mm. but at the same time at the beginning she was like oh you know when i met harry i never researched what went into the royal family and what any of my duties would be and i'm like really you never like googled harry like I don't buy that shit. But did she look to like, Google Harry? Everyone knows Harry is in well, the Well, apparently she didn't. <laughs> she said I didn't know anything about the royal family, you know. And I'm like, I don't buy that. When you're on the way to meet the Queen, that you don't Google. She wasn't on her way to meet up. the
1: Queen. This is a furphy. We need to be clear. And I really did watch every frame of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> she was never on her way to meet the Queen. She was out. Oh, she with was Harry. there. She was going to an event. There was She was not meant to meet the Queen that day. The Queen was nearby she... and the Queen was the one who said, I want to meet Harry's girlfriend, let's get together. So everyone had to scramble to be able to meet the Queen and she had to quickly learn what's expected because her presu- presumption was, yes, of course you curtsy in public and all that kind of stuff, but not when you're in private. This is your grandmother. Surely you're not curtsying." She didn't understand how serious it was that you still had to curtsy to the Queen even in private.
0: And I think but that's even, realistic. But after that, you'd think that she would have started doing some research before they got married, right? Like, oh, shit, you have to curtsy even in private. Maybe I should be doing some kind of research into this what this she is going to entail. she didn't entail. after that point. But she said she didn't.
1: No, she said she didn't Google Harry.
0: But then she said she didn't do any research on what the job would entail of being a wife.
1: Well, she thought they the would the teach teacher. I don't think that's unreasonable either. I anyway. think she just thought it would be unrealistic. We, we weren't carpets going to get and, bogged down in parties. the content. This was about the <laughs> the interview Boring. as a television event. But uh anyway, did great numbers for ten. Ultimate tag, the big loser here last night, Dan. Two hundred and sixty thousand viewers. Now look, seven will obviously take a step back and say this was up against a big primetime special, but every other show held up. Four corners Ooh. did well. Uh, Married at First Sight still did uh, 806,000. Is there really an excuse for a number like that?
3: I don't think so. I mean, obviously, they will play the Harry, Meghan, Oprah card. um, But I think it was a misstep for them not to pivot on the scheduling of this show when Holy Moly started to fall in a ditch. They were coming from a pretty dodgy place in that time slot and to back it up with another show that was a not too dissimilar premise, family fun, you know, nonsense. um, It was always sort of doomed to fail, I think. I'm surprised Mm. that they didn't decide, make the call to, to pull it. I mean, they've got nothing else to put in there, unfortunately. Dancing with the Stars isn't in the can yet. If I was them, I would be.
1: Well, Big Brother might be ready to go unless they're still editing well, it. Yeah, it's been in the can for a while, but they certainly they could can't have keep that forward.
3: Yeah, they can't keep um, tag on for another three weeks. So, I'd be getting some uh, Larry Ender Chase specials in the can pronto, turning them around as quickly as possible. A home and Away special. A... Seven news special, just some something to fill a gap here and Because Well, you
1: know, they there there is a program available for a nine o'clock time slot called the Android <laughs> Show. We could easily just send our feed your way channel seven and do it live. Is there to a end? single
3: opportunity you won't miss? <laughs> <laughs> I'll no, attack. No, there isn't
1: Ben. <laughs> I will take every bloody opportunity. Our rates are really good. We can do it at a really cheap price. Just say.
2: Uh, um, I was going to say, Rob. The show does only have two because it's only on air for three weeks. So this week's basically over. It's only got two more weeks on air. Um, and I would say it, it was a crap number. There's no no way to get around that. But also under investigation with Liz Hayes, a, that debut was seven hundred thousand plus. Uh, last week was down to 438,000 viewers last night. So that lost half of its audience. So maybe there was a bit of uh, Megan and Harry stuff in there with that as well. But that is a really low number, though, for Ultimate Tag. But just putting it in context context
1: look, And I agree with that. And I think we absolutely need to see what it rates next week. But to be honest, I did watch a bit of Ultimate Tag and I... For a game or two, I was real. I was really on the edge of my seat. I was like, "Oh my god, these people!" And then I got a little bit over it, you know. Like I, I lasted about two and a half games, and then I was like, eh, "I'm all right, thanks." And I've got no desire to go back to it. It is impressive. It's amazing to watch the physicality, uh, but it's not must-watch for me. All right. Soldier Turn TV host Ant Middleton has been axed from the next series of SAS Who Dares Wins in the UK after controversy and disagreements within the network. A Channel 4 spokesperson has said, our views and values are not aligned and we will not be working with him. This comes after Ant's controversial tweet about Black Lives Matter protesters and when he urged his followers to carry on as normal despite the pandemic. Middleton has said he feels like he achieved everything he could within the format and he's happy to step down to allow for new blood seven though has confirmed that he will still be taking part in the next season of SAS Australia this is interesting to me Sarah he's faced a lot of controversy in the UK but that controversy hasn't really reached Australia is that why he's not damaged goods here and seven are happy to continue with him
0: yeah I mean if 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 he's if nobody knows what's going on over there and he's still clean here then keep using him since he was already in the first season i mean it could catch up we're in a global world where everything happens very fast with cancel culture but i mean for now if 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 they're good they're good
1: so does that mean basically sarah that values are based on <laughs> the blowback for possible ratings hmm. detriment
0: I think that's all networks care about.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any disagreement with that, is there, Dan? Oh, no, not really. But, I mean, <laughs> this case is all just about brand alignment, right? So over in the UK, Channel, Channel 4, is it? Channel 4? Yeah. yeah Channel 4. Um, it, they, because it was public over there, it didn't align with their brand. Because it hasn't gone public here, it's it's not a consideration for Seven. Should it become an issue here, then Seven will have to make that call. But I think in the short term, it's not an issue here. The show did gangbusters last year. I certainly wouldn't be messing with the format on the off chance that um, people become outraged on this side of the globe.
1: What do we think about this, though? Um, some cast names are already floating around, including Ian Thorpe, Sonny Bill Williams and Pete Evans. Aaron, they got Chappelle Corby on last year, who was a controversial, controversial figure, and she was the big draw card for this show. Are they if Pete Evans is in the mix, I think they're misreading the room here. To me, the difference with Chappelle Corby is we hadn't heard from her. She kept a low profile, and she's controversial in a different way. Some people believe she did it, others don't. Whereas I feel now Pete Evans, you got the cult factor, he's peddling misinformation, he's being deplatformed everywhere there's just going to be nothing but blowback for Channel 7 over this appointment if they are
2: indeed looking to hire him, aren't they? Well, I'm going to be Robbo from last night's uh, and Rob and Robbo show and completely 100% disagree with you. I think this is 100% perfect. Um, I said this on the TV Black Box podcast last year. I think this is the only program for Pete Evans. I would love to see him on this show. It's the only format that would work for him. It's not about sitting around and talking to celebrities about your views. It's about being in, involved in the show and being confronted by the DS staff and calling you out on your bullshit and, and everything like that. He should absolutely be hammered on that show. Um, for the physical challenges and for what he says and be smashed. I think it would be perfect. I love it, love it, love it.
1: You know, Dan, there are very few people in this world, I don't believe in cancel culture, but I do believe in keeping Pete Evans on.
3: <laughs> yeah, look, in theory, I absolutely agree with you, although Aaron may have won me over with the notion that we could see Sonny Bill Williams punching him in the head a lot, that would <laughs> potentially be the only way I could get on board with the idea.
0: The thing is is Pete's name comes up with every single show. Every single show that is casting for celebrities, his name comes up and he's never on there. So it's like but he just putting on, his name I, out.
1: I need to be very clear on something. He was on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Now, he has since admitted that. Ooh. Channel 10 have always refused. What they used was trickery. They said he is not entering the jungle. No, because you cancelled him the morning they were about to shoot, you know. So of course he didn't enter the jungle, but he was up there. In Mulumbar, he was being part of I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. We need to be very clear on this. That happened because of the controversy over what happened at that time with him, and it was a last minute call to get rid of him. But go on, Sarah, sorry.
0: But, I mean, it's not Dancing with the Stars. So, I mean, if if we can get him on TV and, yeah, everyone can beat the shit out of him on air, people might enjoy that.
3: (laughs) Not that we advocate violence on this podcast. I I do
1: like the idea of Sonny Bill Williams saying, where's your COVID light now? (laughs) Boom, bang.
2: (laughs) You're already being sold on it, Rob. It's great.
1: I'm turning. I'm turning. All right. Well, maybe seven aren't making the biggest casting mistake of their life. Let's move on. Beloved game show, The Weakest Link, will be returning to our screams, rebooted on Channel 9 and produced by BBC Studios. And it's Magda Shabansky who will be hosting the new installation with production set to take place in Melbourne and to premiere later this year. The show previously aired on 7 in 2001 to 2002 with the late Cornelia Francis hosting. This is interesting to me, Sarah, because... This suggests a complete restyle in what the show is. Cornelia played this beautifully with the You Are The Weakest Link, Goodbye, very much in the Anne Robinson mould in the UK. And it was like a character. I can't see Magda doing that kind of performance. So are Channel 9 taking the view of laid back hosting seems to be the new evolution here you know the way um, Hamish Blake and Andy Lee host their respective shows Lego Masters and The Cube do you think Nine are going for a different style of hosting with Magda
0: maybe but I mean Magda was an actress so maybe she'll pull out a character too
1: Yeah, I I don't know that I would buy her in this role. Maybe in a dramatic role, sure, but in this role being the hard-ass bitch, I don't know that I would buy that. No,
0: I don't see her as a hard-ass. I think that, yeah, she will just be chill or funny. Maybe they're trying to do, like, a comedic thing.
1: Um, Dan, I well, that's the thing. And, Dan, I I know you and Cornelia were very close before her death, but... um, do you think The Weakest Link will work if it's more of a comedic turn than what how, what she made, the character of the show?
3: Yeah, I think absolutely it can. Magda can carry off anything, I think, to start with. But mm. this will very much... I imagine, be in the vein of Jane Lynch's The Weakest Link, which is doing gangbusters over for ABC America now. She plays against the line, so she still delivers You Are The Weakest Link goodbye, but it's very very tongue-in-cheek. It's not the Anne Robinson corny version of it. It's much more of a playful (laughs) um, playful thing, so it doesn't come across as cruel in any way, which a lot of the um, sort of talk on social media this morning was that magda's too nice to to play this role but i think if they mm. play against the line make a virtue of magda's warmth and strength then we know that she's having a you know a go i think a lot of people thought that Corney and probably ann robinson were quite like that in real life and maybe they were to a certain extent but <laughs> i think we know magda so well that we will know that she's playing a game with them and i don't think anyone will take offense i think this is going to work
2: really really well i hope it does Dan, i've I've actually watched all, all of the episodes with Jane Lynch I actually love the weakest link and you're right she she's sort of mean but it's more of a sarcastic comedic mm. kind of mean and I think Magda could bring that element of the show. It won't be the straight Cornelia Francis way, but Jane Lynch, it certainly works over there. And I actually actually tried to sell this uh, show to to one network. I was saying to them that it's on the open market. And they, I mean, they obviously knew about it and suggested Gretel Colleen to host, um, which I thought would be great. Um, but, sure. they, but they passed on it and now nine have it. But um, yeah, I reckon it's actually a good pickup. We're into game shows. The afternoon ones do really well. It's a great format and uh, Magda... I think will do well in a different kind of weakest link. What surprised me was it only went for two years. Yeah. Because,
1: you know, Seven burned that thing like nobody's business. Uh, you know, it was one of the very few things working on the network at the time before they ended up becoming the number one network. And
3: it was just on all the
1: time. Talk about burning it out very quickly. And they never played all
3: of the episodes. There are still episodes that have oh. never made it to wear. Um It was pulled because of Friends. Friends killed it. So The Weakest Link premiered and was doing huge numbers. And then Friends appeared on the scene and just absolutely took over that time slot. And, yeah, they ended up pulling. It was Monday and Thursday nights from memory. They played twice a week. Um, And, yeah, according to Corny, there were still many episodes that never um, made it to the screen. Wow. So... Yeah, it was a. Back was, when networks weren't afraid to burn money like that. <laughs> <Yeah>, TV <that's laughs> right. black box exclusive there. There you go. 7 yeah. 30 next Monday. Let's pull Ultimate Tag and <laughs> wheel out some. <laughs> I tell you
1: what, I, I'd watch. I, I tell you what, I would watch it. I would. It's a bit of a spoiler,
3: too, right? For nine. Yeah.
1: I would watch that. If Seven did that, I, I don't know what the uh, copyright and all that kind yeah. of stuff would be, but my God, I would watch that just as a trip down memory lane. Anyway, let's talk about ratings. Week 10 was essentially a rinse and repeat in terms of ratings, with nine taking out the top spot, with a 30.6 network share. Seven was in second place with 25.1, followed by the ABC on 19, and 10 was again in fourth place on 17.1%. In terms of primary channel shares, the ranking stayed exactly the same. 9-1 every city except for Perth. No surprises there. Maths continues to dominate and under investigation got off to a great start on 719,000. But as we've already discussed, that figure did drop this week already. Holy Moly went out with a whimper and Gogglebox was 10's best show. Aaron, were there any surprises for you last week?
2: Absolutely none. I think we're all expecting Marion at first sight to come out on top. And now with the NRL coming this week, isn't it? Um... They'll probably do even better. Um, Channel 7 just need to get through a couple of weeks of ultimate tag. Um, Then we've got Easter, Big Brother coming out. Um, The AFL starts. So no surprises in there. I don't think anyone would be surprised that Married at First Sight and Channel 9 are on top Uh, and Channel 10 just bubbling along.
1: Dan, it's been a hard
2: start to this quarter
1: for 7. Holy moly, had potential. It's launched with a million viewers, but... I, I do think it was on too many times Ooh. and too long each each night you yeah. know it was on multiple nights a week it's tough for seven at this stage of the game
3: isn't it well they kind of by they kind of necessarily have to be in a holding pattern at this point until they can mm. do their event run of dancing with the stars and then get Big brother on air they really don't have um many options which is a shame thankfully the news you know, continues to prop them up mm-hmm. on week or every day of the week. Home and Away had a big rebound last week, which was great to see after the week before where it had really struggled. Um, the biggest takeaway from me for last week or the biggest pleasant surprise was that Amazing Grace um, launched really well for nine in the sort of mid fives. Um, tricky at nine o'clock at night to launch a new mm-hmm. drama, new Australian drama, um, but the audience gave it a go and tuned in and I hope they continue to do that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Mid-Fives is good for a drama on Australian TV, any kind of drama, Ooh. so that's interesting. At It'll be uh, worthwhile seeing what happens on that front. But I found it interesting that... I, I do feel for Seven. I, I think it was a strange concept having going from Holy Moly to Ultimate Tag. You know, it was a big risk. If Holy Moly had worked, maybe. Yeah. Um, But... I still think you need a break between those shows, but they do have the back half of their year sorted, you know, with the Big Brothers, with the SAS Australia, with Farmer Wants a Wife. So we know from April, Seven will be in a much stronger position, especially with the AFL as well. So you're right, there is a bit of a holding pattern. And I think for the next couple of years, this first. Month or so of ratings is going to be a testing pattern for new shows, and they're going to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks.
3: I will fall over myself if they don't launch with Big Brother next year. They've got to come out of the gate strong. Big Brother is the biggest franchise they've got. I will be so surprised if they don't come out in Feb with Big Brother next year.
1: But I can't blame them for trying to protect it
3: instead of going up against maths. No, but I think out of this year, when they've had a year, last year it was. My Kitchen Rules and House Rules. They've tried this year with Holy Moly and... uh, What is it? Ultimate, Ultimate Tag, Tag. unless Ultimate they Tag. run, unless they run with um, Australian Idol, I guess. But again, I would hope that they don't flog that over multiple nights a week and ruin it. So, you know, but the, doesn't
1: a format like Australian Idol work over multiple nights a week? Three I feel it's or four. very different to Holy Molly. Oh, totally.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, because there's no story in Holy Molly or yeah. Ultimate Tag. There's no ongoing thread that you're following. Like there's there no is. narrative. No absolutely. narrative. Yeah. Um, whereas they, there is to a certain extent in Idol, but uh, again, three or four nights a week is too much. Two nights, maybe.
1: Yeah, but people used to say that about maths, and we all watch it. But it's a soap opera. You expect to see that five times a week or
3: whatever it is. Not that I watch it, but yeah.
2: I'd be, yeah, yeah. In- I'd be interested to know what people thought about, though, the ratings decline of The Cube because it did launch on Channel 10 with between 550 and 600,000, and then week two it came back with, I think it was 381, and that's just from memory, about 300 yeah. and something thousand. Everyone said holding Molly was too long, too many nights. They're playing this 60 minutes, one night a week, and 70% of the audience turned away for episode two. I'm not quite sure what explains that. I think we'll talk about that more when we get to the big issue, but
1: it's a very fair point. Mm. My theory has always been it is up to the promos and the network to get viewers to a show uh, for the first episode because you're selling what this is, right? So you're selling the concept. It's then up to the show to hold it. I personally enjoyed The Cube. I will admit I haven't seen episode two yet, right? But I did like it. But... It wasn't a must-watch for me. It was like, oh, this is interesting. Like it, you know. Like, I like Andy Lee. I thought his hosting was brilliant. I thought the production was brilliant. Like, I can't fault the show, Mm. but I haven't watched episode two.
3: I think it's on the wrong night, but we can get to that a bit later.
1: Hmm. Mm. Okay, that's interesting because we are going to talk about Channel 10 and what's going on with that network and, and what can possibly be done going forward. But all right, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah.
0: Thanks, Rob. Ex-Sunrise star, Simon Reeve, has settled with Channel 7 in the legal battle over unpaid entitlements. While the settlement between the parties is not known, Reeve was asking for more than half a million dollars of entitlements and compensation after he was let go by the network. As reported by TV Tonight, it is the end of an era with 7 set to depart their Martin Place studio by the end of 2022. It has been home to seven news and sunrise for 17 years and they will be joining its headquarters in Everly, bringing all divisions of seven sydney together for the first time in 40 years and despite troublesome ratings over the past seasons the bachelor is returning and its star has been revealed 31 year old airline pilot jimmy nicholson will be next in line in the search for love and that's back to you rob
1: yeah they've got a lot of good coverage Tennant would be happy with that Coming up, we're going to do a big issue on what's going on with 10, why doesn't it rate, and what is its future. Plus, we'll be opening up the TV Binge Box to find out what everyone's been watching. You might get a few tips. TV Black Box will be right back.
0: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. These are real confessions.
2: Saying i would wanted to kill my mother since I was eight years old. From
3: real serial killers. We've just got to be violent to them. Best-selling true crime author Amanda Howard doesn't just talk about their crimes, she talks directly to them. It's a bit much, really. It's the podcast that goes where others fear to tread. Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Subscribe now in your favourite podcast feed.
1: Now to our big issue, it's been a couple of tough years for Channel 10, which finished 2020 in fourth place behind the ABC and continues to trail the public broadcaster in 2021. In its most recent financial reporting, the company lost $226 million for the year ending 2019. The company has seen even more redundancies behind the scenes and on air, and advertising revenues are declining as fast as viewers abandon traditional free-to-air television. While there's no doubt 7 has its own troubles, 9 continues to build its empire. But those in the know in TV land suggest programs on 9 and 7 will automatically fare better than anything that premieres on Channel 10. The most recent example is The Cube, a great format with a great host in Andy Lee, but it failed to attract a significant audience when it launched a couple of weeks back. So is that theory true? Does 10 suffer from a branding issue with viewers more sceptical of its programs, or is it simply not choosing the right shows? Aaron.
2: Do you choose a show based on the network it's airing on or the show itself? Uh, Definitely on the show itself now, but 10 to 15 years ago there was definitely a perception that um, indeed a reality – and a reality that the show launching on 10 would be worse off than if it aired on seven or nine. So if channel seven launches packed to the rafters to 2 million viewers, if it had aired on channel 10 on the same night, it would get 1 million viewers. Um, Mm. There were a lot of factors in the past, lead in, lead out promotion. The fact that seven was sort of trusted as the, being the home of Australian drama, demographics, marketing, all of that plays into a show's performance. However, with so many channels and streaming services these days, Um, The lead in and lead out is not uh, as big factor. Um, And 10 have launched. 10, like, let's have a look. Harry and Meghan, uh, people tuned in for that. The Amazing Race, it does well. Could it have done better on 9 or 7? Not necessarily. The Amazing Race does well considering the competition and has beaten Holy Moly and I'd expect it to be Ultimate Tag. People will find Gogglebox, even though no one's watching the two programs before it. MasterChef is huge. The cube, I actually thought, launched quite well. Five hundred sixty thousand is actually quite good these days. Um, is it? But, Yeah, it like, is. sorry, a launch for the cube should have got eight hundred thousand. Nothing is going to be as big as like the nine hundred thousand shows is just basically MasterChef and and um, sh- shows like that. Maybe The Voice in in its heyday. Um, the lead-outs now, look, the project at 7pm um, is roughly sometimes on the same par as Home in a way, so the lead-out's not doing well. People are just seeking out particular programs. And just because holding Molly launches on Channel 7, you know, nobody's watching it. It's actually the content that people are looking for these days. It's funny you say that because, Dan, it wasn't that long ago, David
1: Lecky, when he was CEO of 7, said, we can put anything on it'll rate. Ooh. Because there was a belief in the brand and people trusted Seven to deliver good shows. So where does this leave Ten?
3: Are they not choosing the right shows? Ten have always had this problem. There has been an inherent trust from the audience in the brands of Seven and Nine, and... Um, that shows that will launch there will necessarily bring a higher audience than 10. I worked at 10. I was told the first day I walked in the door that you were pushing shit uphill, sorry, excuse my French, pushing shit (laughs) uphill much more um, at 10 to get anything to work because there wasn't the trust in the brand. How that came about, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Back in the day, 10 wasn't the network that I used to watch all the time. It was 7. But I have to say for me now, Network 10 is kind of a tale of, of two stories. Their 7.30 slot is the slot that I watch most of commercial television all mm. year round. Their big brands, their big franchises are the go-tos for me. I love um, Australian Survivor, MasterChef, I'm a Celebrity, Amazing Race. Those are shows that drive me to watch broadcast television, which is a, you know, a nearly impossible feat these days. What they have is a problem on either side of that. They have nothing leading in to the 7.30 slot, and then they've got really nothing out the back of it. They don't have a show with the exception of um, Have You Been Paying Attention, which runs the back end of the year. Um, They've got nothing for that 9 o'clock slot that gets viewers in. I mean, SVU Mm. repeats just aren't going to cut it. Not to mention but two of them, um, at in primetime on a Thursday night or bull on a Wednesday night. They just don't have the content for the back end, whether or not they can't afford it, whether or not they're just not choosing the right shows, I don't know. But the reason I think that their entire night isn't feeling better when, you know, if it was if they could carry that 7:30 audience through then they'd be happy days, but they're just not able to retain any of that audience. And they've also got a problem, just to jump quickly back to the Cube, I think, with uh, sort of themes for their nights. There's not a huge sensible flow between their schedule. Mm. I think the Cube should be on Thursday nights leading into Gogglebox. That feels like a really family-friendly flow. Yeah. Um, you know, Bondi Rescue and Territory Crops, doesn't. I don't think of Gogglebox when I think of them. I think sort of more, you know, I'm having a cup of tea as opposed to, you know... I'm playing Twisted with my mates kind of thing. Like, it's just got a different yep. feel and a different vibe. Um, so, and I think, yeah, I think that's little things like that would help. But really, it is it is their post-9 o'clock time slot that is just the, the ass falls out of them every night.
1: Well, I'd also argue it's their pre-7.30 well, time slot yeah, as well. Yeah. The project isn't a killer in the ratings for all the publicity gets. It demos well, though. I'm not shit-canning the project. I'm just saying that it it generates a lot of news copy and doesn't get the ratings return you would expect for all that free publicity. Um, And I think that the problem is that the project rises and falls based on what the 730 show is when the yeah. bachelor's on the project does better yeah. when it's not on and there's and 10 struggling at 730 the project does lower and that's just a simple fact yeah. it's interesting that there are whispers now going around that cbs will will offload 10 um this is new information i've only just recently heard but there there are whispers that CBS, we've got to remember, CBS didn't go out to acquire 10, oh. right? They inherited it through 10's administration with Lachlan Murdoch making a play to get the, the network at a really cheap price. It forced it into administration and... Murdoch thought he was going to be able to pick that up. CBS came in and said, "Well, hang on, we've got so many we've got so much money tied up in 10 with our output deals and everything else. We actually want to take it to try and recoup our own costs." So 10 was never a strategy for CBS. It was almost like an inheritance. So the question is whether CBS sees this future here for the network. Maybe they do. That's certainly not the whispers going out at the moment. And as we saw in its last financial reporting, it lost $226 I would expect that figure to get better because since that reporting, they have reduced a lot of costs. We've seen the people from the newsroom go. We've seen a a lot of behind-the-scenes redundancies. So I expect that figure to get better. The question is whether they can get back into the black with their reporting for the end of 2020, which I think will come around June or July. So is there a future for 10, Dan? The the revenues are shrinking. Advertising market is closing up. We're now looking at... We're having a conversation here saying the Cube got off to a great launch because it got 500-and-something thousand. You know, like, where is television going? I used to... When people used to say, oh, Australian commercial TV can't... We can't have three commercial broadcasters, they won't survive. I used to say, piss off, you know. I'm now at that point where I'm wondering
3: that may actually be true. Oh, look, I certainly hope not. I think it's desperately important that we have as much competition as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said, I watch 10 more than any other commercial network at the moment. I'd be devastated if it finished up. Um, Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is for 10, but I... And I'm not good with numbers. I'm a words man, so I don't know how all that sort of profit and all that sort of stuff plays out. But... um, I just hope that they're able to find whether or not it just requires an injection of funds, even though I know they're trying to cut funds, but into that, into that post um, nine o'clock slot. And I don't know what to do with the project. It's been around for what, 13, 14 years now, mm. um, you know, and it's a solid, it's a known brand. It's solid. I, I trust my, I trust the project to get my news from. If There's a big breaking news story throughout the day. Um, right. So I, you know, they've got fabulous journals on there and, um, how to bump those numbers up? I I don't know, but should the project become
2: Ten News Ten's news service? Don't know, maybe. Hey Rob, uh, I just wonder. My main involvement in the last twenty years with television has been in programming, so I've got a bit of an opinion on this, but it. It might be a little bit of a rant. Is that okay? (laughs) Uh, As someone who's never ranted in his (laughs) life, I don't know if I can handle (laughs) that, Aaron. (laughs) You have the floor. Well, let me start. So Ten Shake. So they launched this channel as an alternative to the main channel, MTV-style programming, different demographic. The the big night of viewership uh, usually is Sunday nights in television. So two nights ago, the 7th of March, let's have a look at their lineup. 530 Tod- total wipeout repeat 6 30 total wipeout repeat 7 30 total wipeout repeat 8 30 <laughs> the cube encore from the main channel 9 30 gogglebox australia encore from the main channel 10 30 we have a problem encore from the main channel and 11 30 ridiculousness episodes which have been played out of order that is their lineup on 10 shake the channel during the week is showing catfish The TV show episodes from 2012, and they're skipping episodes, by the way, and they're basically just playing South Park and movies on other nights. They're playing, they're not playing out seasons. They didn't play out just Tattoo with us or Drunk History US. They're sitting on the shelf. Then you go to Ten Bold. Now that's doing quite well, but it is just a classic episode of NCIS channel. That's all it is. They they've got Does that
1: matter if that hits, though, mate? Ten Shake, I think we can all agree is a disaster. But
2: 10 Bold is actually a success story. Yeah, it is a success exe- success story. But I'm saying it, that is built on classic episodes, which is fine. They've got two hours of new content uh, this week. 48 hours, which the current affairs program from the US, which they used to fast track, which is now being played four months old now. And a <laughs> show called LA's Finest with Jessica Elba, which played out last September overseas. Um, they've got new content. They've got MacGyver. They've got SIL team. They just don't want to play it. So there's no chance, even if they air it now, that they're going to fast track it. It's just irrelevant. 10 Peach, doing quite well, of course, with all the comedies and stuff, but two hours of new programming. Friday night, um, they're showing The Connors, which is you know, the spin-off from Roseanne episodes from last year. And Friday night at 10.30, they're showing Charmed from 2019 episodes. Now, my issue is that it probably does deserve a 10.30 slot. I'm not saying it should be on 8.30. It probably deserves a 10.30 slot. But why not play it last year at 10.30 so the episodes they're screening now are fast-tracked? At least 10 would appear like they're fresh and relevant. The only place you can see fast-tracked episodes of Charmed is on 10 Peach. But they're showing them 18 months later. I don't know why a viewer would want to seek out um you know those kind of programs also ted acquired the sitcom mum from channel 9 um they really mucked around with that show but but ten decided to start it from season one they played season two three four five and then i thought straight after that they'll play the never before seen season six of mum but no they went back to season one um and they're not screening it they've got all these shows sitting on the shelf like the unicorn a million little things um nancy drew the neighborhood shows that they could play in some sort of t- time slot fast track so you could say 10 peach is relevant we've got all the latest shows latest episodes but these are episodes from 18 months ago and my last one on obviously the main channel and actually dan covered most of these uh, uh you know Up to 7.30, you know, the ratings aren't too good, you know. But they're showing the project encores at 10.30 at night now instead of 11.30. So they're showing a program three hours after it airs. It's ridiculous. And those late-night shows like Colbay and Corden, you know, people that are interested in those shows would watch both of those shows. But Channel 10 actually show them against each other. They show Colbay on the main channel on 10 and at exactly the same time they show Corden on, uh, I think, on 10 Shake. As Dan says, the 9:30 slots are dead. FBI repeats on Sunday. Graham Norton show on course Mondays. Bull re- repeats Wednesdays. Can I just say Graham Norton's becoming my new Jamie Oliver. I love the Graham Norton show, but yes, it does not. Rate. At 8:30 on a Friday night, but does it need to be at 9:30 on a Monday night? Plus on Ten Shake, plus on everything else. They really only have the amazing Ray Susie. The Cube, Gogglebox, and Bondi Rescue. That's it. And a couple of American shows around it. And finally, I just want to say, on top of all that, they have the best and most helpful programming teams around. So hello to Michelle, Amy, Susan in there. They're fabulous to deal with. They're hardworking and professional. But Bev McGarvey has some personal issues, obviously, with TV Black Box. So the punishment that they want to send us is they won't send us certain material like TV guides and so on. Bev... It's not punishing us. You're actually punishing yourselves. It's their lineup that has not been promoted to literally hundreds of thousands of uh, unique viewers per month, or on the and Rob and Robo show. We are the last in a small line of people that are still praising and advocating commercial television. And Bev has a personal issue, so she brings down the entire network in terms of free publicity for 10. I think it's ridiculous. I have nothing against her. You can give me a call anytime, Bev. But how embarrassing <laughs> it is for people like SJ, Michelle, Amy and Susan who want to get on with their job be professional. They want to see Ten do well for professional reasons, but also for personal reasons because not doing well equals job cuts. Um, and Bev's just stopping them from doing that. So overall, I would say Foxtel has a lineup of exclusive shows that are fast tracked from the US that stay in their time slots. And with Ten, it's 18 months old. It's irrelevant. They just need to freshen up their their lineup and be more relevant. Rant over.
1: Uh, I feel
2: like you've been wanting to get that off your chest for a while now. <laughs> Well, I, I just, it's just what I it's just what I think about ten. It's just I don't understand why you play shows at ten thirty, eighteen months after the US. How is that ever going to attract a viewer or make people think I need to watch Channel Ten for a particular show? I mean, why do we want to watch bull repeats at nine thirty and the project at ten thirty at night? I mean, who who? That's why no one's watching ten. Yeah, look, I, I do think
1: sometimes um, things get a bit silly with the dealing of the me- with the media, someone says a bad thing, they get punished for that, um, but it doesn't really affect that media outlet. We we get last month, we had 1.6 million page views on the TV Black Box website. We had 385,000 unique users visit the website. So, so the basically is, more
0: than any Channel 10 show? <laughs>
1: <laughs> My point being that, you know, people come to TV Black Box to find out what's happening and where they're promoting every other network, really, except 10 because they take issue with us. And, you know, the fact is, I did apologize about the Studio 10 comments. Uh, I was very open and honest about that, but um, it would appear things can't be let go. Anyway, I, I, hopefully... was just say, Rob,
2: I get passionate about that because of what Dan says. Their 7.30 lineup is actually really good. No one does the Amazing Race, have, have done the Amazing Race because it's been on, you know, 7 before, like Channel 10 do. It is fantastic. The way they do Survivor is fantastic. And the way they do I'm a Celebrity no, I is fantastic. They actually, out of all of the networks, I think will put on a multi-night show, the best out of any channels. And then when you just look at the overall network and see it slump in a hole... It's it's really terrible and embarrassing because they do know how to make shows. Um, but the way that they structure the rest of their lineup is just, you know, it's appalling, really. Well, this is the thing. I th- actually think they need to look at some stripped programming from nine o'clock. There is
1: a hole in the market here for nine o'clock programming. And, and I'm not saying I know what it is. Sarah, what do you think?
0: Is there any, in Australia, like I haven't seen Australian TV in over a year, obviously, because I'm not there, but um, are there any Australian late-night TV shows? No, like No. Like, the, I mean, there used to be... No, um, there is.
1: There's the Anne's Robin Robber show, but
0: that's a streaming <laughs> show. No, but I mean, there were, remember before Letterman was on air and they had Steve Beisard yeah. on yeah, 7 and then 9 like bought Letterman and zone. got rid of it. And then Rove had a TV show for a while. Yep, but maybe 10 should bring back late-night show
1: yeah but not a straight news the fact is people want more than that and look it is it is does not cost a lot to do panel based programming um but do I it like an American,
0: think... like Colbert or like Trevor Noah or like any of those shows, where you but know, or the, Letterman, or the
1: thing I would say about that is those shows are really expensive to produce mm. because you need writers, like to do monologues and comedy bits, you need writers. What you actually need to do, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not being a smartass when I say this, but you take a format like Studio Ten or um, the Andrew Robin Robo show, where you have a basis of what show and you rely on the performers to create comedic moments in amongst news moments. You know, like, the fact is we're an internet show and so many of our viewers tell us that they get their news from us, right? So they're not going to the 6pm news for their news. They're actually watching it on the Andrew, Robin Robber show. Plus they're getting some opinion thrown in. And that's helped shaping their opinion because we don't agree on everything. So they're hearing arguments. They're getting more of an insight. We did a segment on Catherine Folbig and people were saying, I've seen so many reports on this lady and for the first time I actually understand what this is all about. And so you can have your comedic eyes, but you can have your serious as well. And I do desperately think there is a gap in the market for this. I, I and, But I feel like I'm beating my own drum there because I'm doing what I believe needs to be done. But I, I but do 9 think... But 9pm
0: is a perfect time to have that kind of show that's kind of like the project but more adult and where you can say what you really think because right. you're not worried about kids and watching.
1: My criticism with the project is it's so overproduced. There was a night when the EVS went down... And for the first time, I really got to hear the host of the project talking about the issues because they couldn't throw to any clips, right? So for the first time, Waleed, Carrie, everyone was actually talking and having a discussion like Studio 10 or, you know, those segments on Today or Sunrise. They were having a real discussion and they were engaging. They actually had great opinions. And I actually thought to myself, pull back on the production of the show. Let them talk that show will rate better. That's my genuine feeling. You do something like that at 9 o'clock, you've got an audience because it's all about connection. It's not just about information. It's about connection. Uh. This is why breakfast TV shows still rate really well. So, yes, everything's coming down, but the rate with what breakfast TV is losing audience is much lower than primetime programming in percentage terms because people have a connection. Uh. There's now? my rant over. All well, right. pitch your show. <laughs> I'm pitching it every night. It's out there, <laughs> 9 o'clock. The, go to facebook.com
2: slash the ARR show. Monday and Tuesday, is Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time.
1: Yes, Anjali Rao, David Robinson, you've got your team. Hey, it's time to open the TV binge box with Nick Dan's Podcast idea. He does a full podcast on it. We do it as a five-minute segment. <laughs> we'll find out what everyone's been watching this week, and Sarah, I'm going to start with you.
0: Yeah, that's good because I watched uh the Oprah thing with uh Meghan Markle and Harry. And um otherwise I spent the entire week potty training the puppy. Oh. <laughs> there was no television because literally every time you turned it on he peed on the floor. So <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, we know who's ruling the boat there. Aaron, what yep. have you been watching?
2: Um I've really been loving The Equalizer with Queen Latifah. I reckon it's a great show. It's actually been been good each episode so far. Um Interesting one, The Good Doctor, has actually been improving. It had a real slump in it. It started really well, then it had a slump, but it's now picking up again. Um, and the only other one I'll mention is what we've mentioned tonight, Ultimate Tag. And what's really annoying about the show, actually, is that Episode 2, the one that screened on the Harry and Meghan night, was actually a lot better than Episode 1. They probably might have wanted to start with Episode two first. Um, it was actually a lot tighter, and the games were actually more interesting. Um, mm. So... Yeah, that's what I've been watching this week. I heard a rumour that's costing a million dollars an episode. Ooh. Yeah.
1: It looks um, like it. I have been watching Superman and Lois, and I am addicted to this show. It's on Foxtel. It is just, seriously, it's everything I want from Superman. It's got heart. It's got real story. It's, oh, I just love it. I seriously just love it. And you might think I'm, you know, superhero whole thing at the moment, but we actually um bought the Wonder Woman movie, the new one 1984. That wasn't as good. No, the first one, the first Wonder Woman movie was so much murder. I finished all the episodes of Superstore on um Netflix, and then I discovered Foxtel has the new series. So I'm watching the new series on Foxtel. Goggle Box of course And uh, yes, I too watched the Oprah special. And I've got to say, um, because of my prep for the evening show, I've actually been watching news services around the country because we record them to get footage from. And so I haven't just been watching the Brisbane news services. I've been watching Sydney. I've been watching Melbourne. And I've got to say, um, I really do think that We put out great 6pm news services. I think 9 and 7 do a great job. Peter Overton, especially in Sydney. But in Melbourne, I've been watching both services. And really, we do great product that would stand on any world stage. And so a tip of the hat to the news services that people produce around the country each and every day. I think they do a great job. Dan, what have you been watching?
3: I have also been watching Gogglebox and The Amazing Race. As I said, I agree with Aaron. The Good Doctor has had a massive resurgence this year. They have got a whole bunch of new characters in, and it's kind of given the show a whole new drive. So I'm loving that. And two documentaries that I want to mention very quickly. One is Murder Amongst the Mormons on Netflix. It's a three-part true crime doco, which. Ends in a way that I did not see coming. Um, it's all about sort of manipulation and being deceptive, and it's really, really compelling. Only three episodes, so very easy to get through. And have any of you guys been watching Alan vs. Farrow, the documentary no. about no, Woody Allen and yeah. Mia Farrow? It's basically exposing Woody Allen for his... Um, in a really raw and honest way. They speak with Mia Farrow. They speak with Dylan Farrow. um, They speak with Ronan. um, And it is is warts and all. Uh, It leaves no doubt in certainly my mind that uh, Alan is uh, a child predator. Um, And it's an extraordinary watch. It's so well put together. The first three episodes uh, are streaming now on Netflix. And binge, the final episode, drops next monday so check it out it's uh it's a big one we'll, we'll be talking talk about it on the tv binge box podcast in a couple right. of weeks
1: i feel like it's hard going down those rabbit holes sometimes
3: yeah you've got to be in the right headspace i wouldn't if you're feeling a bit fragile or it is likely to trigger you in any way it's probably not the best thing to put on but uh it's a. Uh, It's a fascinating story, and particularly because Woody Allen still has an enormous amount of support in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. He's still revered, um, and I don't know how we can reconcile the way that we have treated other people who have been accused of similar crimes and have not necessarily even been um, proven to be guilty of them uh, with the way that he's treated and still revered and rewarded and he is on tape there are tapes of him if I recorded conversations that are going out for the first time in this documentary wow. where he admits to sleeping with Sun Yi when she was 15 and 16 it is extraordinary stuff and I just don't it fascinates me that he's still allowed to yeah but uh, people in
0: Hollywood still love Roman Polanski it's yeah like, it's, can, yeah
3: it's just yeah it's just weird right.
0: Well, that's a a big issue for (laughs) another week,
3: I think.
1: Uh, (laughs) What a high to end on, Dan.
3: (laughs) Any time. Drink up the mood.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, we've had rants from Aaron and (laughs) downers from Dan. So, you know, it's been TV black box where you get the highs, you get the lows and everything in between. Thank you for being part of our little podcast. Hey, look, you know what? Sometimes we get trolls trying to have a go at us. You know, like we do this for free. We try to share our opinions and our knowledge of the TV industry We appreciate the support we get. But if you do like the podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star review, even a comment just saying, great. It does help us. It helps our rankings. And we appreciate the support. It makes us feel like we're not doing this for nothing. We do get lots of commentary. We know a lot of people in the industry listen to the podcast. And we know a lot of people try to keep quiet about it because they get in trouble if they mention it. But anyway, thank you for your anonymous support. We do appreciate it. And don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for all All the latest television goss and some exclusives thrown in along the way. Aaron and Sarah, thank you very much for being here once again. Thank you. Bye. See you all next week. And Dan, thank you for popping in. Maybe I'll force you to do next week as well. (laughs) Pleasure. I'll look forward to the text. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Call me, Bev.
0: Bye.